The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one of the only. I didn't realize quite how pale you are until today, <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> yep. So here's the story. Me and our tech guy, John, we're outside, we're talking, and everything like that, and I was bitching that my legs are like whiter than white than white, and then Dracula here comes <laughs> out, and I go, Jesus fucking Christ, man. There's white, glow. there's albinos, and then there's you. Yeah. That's, Jesus fucking That's what Christ. I say, I, I maxed out my goth card <laughs> when I became allergic to the sun. Gee, Chris. Yes. All right, so you've been chomping at the bit to do this one. Yes, so, so I'm super excited it's about this one. all you. This is the uh, Lewis Clark Valley murders. So you might not think of the Lewiston Clarkston Valley as a hotbed for murderous criminal activity. This sparsely populated region of northern Idaho barely breaks 60,000 inhabitants and isn't exactly on the radar of most people. While a relatively quiet area, it's a paradise for hunters, fishermen, and camping enthusiasts, uh, which results in, in a large amount of tourism in the summer. So, a series of five cases in the Lewis Clark Valley began with a 12-year-old girl going missing. After that, a 22-year-old woman was killed, two stepsisters, one 18 and one 21, uh, were murdered. And then a 35-year-old man disappears. See, that's where I'm going to say that's pretty weird because usually someone's victimology is a pretty little specific, closer. right? Or at yeah. least closer. Like three of the chicks are about roughly the same, the same age. age. Yeah. But you throw an older guy in there, and then you throw the young 12-year-old in there because, like, okay, if somebody's a a, a pedophile, which means that they like, you know, like kind of teenagerish, like you know, like they're not babies or anything. They're like you know, 12 on up type of girls they're not attacking full-grown women right and you know if somebody's just a rapist that goes hey my my victimology is i don't know goth chicks that are pale as fuck and uh and what have not with piercings they're not attacking i've already been hit by that person so oh shit i'm sorry i didn't <laughs> it's okay i'm not upset i'm a fucking dick <laughs> but okay. their, their victimology isn't going to be hey i want the Mexican that lives next door to Scott. It's, right. It's, 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 it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Uh, yeah. The M.O.'s vary. But there is a person of interest that could be connected to all five. And it has left authorities and the community to wonder if the same person is responsible. It's me. I, I knew it, it was you, you. You busted me. I'm caught. You are a truck show. driver who wears a cowboy hat. I am. There you go. It's the cowboy hat. It gave me away. Every, day, every <laughs> fucking time. Every time. So the first victim was Christina White. In April of 1979, 12-year-old Christina White lived with her mom, Betty, and her stepdad, Mick, in Asotin, Washington, which is part of the Lewis and Clark Valley. The area was part of the metropolitan region known as the Lewiston-Clarkston or the Lewis-Clark Valley, where the Snake River and the Clearwater River converge. In the 1970s, the town had a huge population surge, doubling in size to 26,000 within a decade. The annual county fair was a big deal, and riding bikes alone or in groups 
was just how kids got around. Um, at, and at the time of the disappearance of her disappearance, Christina had her white 10-speed bike with her. Christina was excited to go to the Asotan County Fair that happens every April. On Saturday the 28th, Christina attended the parade that marked the opening of the fair with her mom and little sister. After the parade was over, the family went to Christina's friend Rose's house on 2nd Street. So Christina had her bike with her. Um, Yeah, it was a white 10-speed with a basket on the front. you got to have the basket. That's cute. Yes. If I ever buy another bicycle, I want a basket. You're going to have a basket? I am. It's going to have a big, some daisies on it. Mine had daisies on it. And I want a little bell so I can go ching, 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 ching. Move over. I'm coming through. Jesus Christ. Move over. Excuse me. Uh, She was supposed to go to the fair with Rose to help with her horse and then ride her bike home. So she was going to go back. horse or horse? Horse. Gotcha. The animal. Gotcha. Okay. These are 12-year-old girls. They're not pimping yet. Look, man, you can ask Dawn. Like, her and I will be on the phone. And she will say something, and it, it's something innocent. Completely like, innocuous. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to go down and get a sandwich out of the refrigerator. I'm like, you're cockfighting beavers in a what? What's happening? No, sandwich, refrigerator. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's kind of a lot. That is fucking awesome, just for the hell of it. That's why I always talk on the phone on the left side, because that's my good ear. <laughs> that's me. I got. That's right. Your, your good ear is different than mine. You got the right, right? My left ear is my good ear. Oh, no, that's my, yeah. My, my left yeah. ear is my good My other one, I'm completely deaf in. So, they were going to go back to the fair. Betty watched her daughter enter Rose's house before she and Christina's sister went home. Rose lived with her mom and her mom's boyfriend. The two girls went to the fair, and around 2.30 p.m. or so, Christina began to not feel well. She thought it was heat stroke because this was a pretty common thing for her. One of her daisies fell off of her basket. That's what happened. Yes. You know, I I can see that. I I wouldn't be feeling too good if daisies fell off of my basket. So she went back to Rose's house and called her mom. Betty told her, look, I can't come pick you up right now. I just put your sister down for a nap, and I can't leave. So get a cold, wet towel, put it on your neck, just chill out. And then after you feel better, call me, and then I will watch from the street for you to walk the two blocks home (coughs) from Rose's house. Yeah, fair enough. You you okay over there? Apparently not. Do you need an allergy pill? Okay, I got allergy pills. It's the acidity. <clears throat> oh, oh. <coughs> of the Barbera wine? Ah, gotcha. Deep breath. Every time I do it, tickles. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what she said. That's not what you were saying last night. I'm just saying. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> you keep talking. Now I'm googling that shit. Now I'm going to turn the color of the cup for sure. So, Christina never called back. Initially, Betty thought her daughter must have gone back to the fair. So Betty went back to the fair later that afternoon to pick her up, but Christina wasn't there. 
No one believed that she would have just run away. It wasn't something she would do. Um, That night, Rose's mom's boyfriend offered to help the police search. He told the officers he had gotten Christina a wet towel when she came home from the fair, not feeling well. But he hadn't seen her since she left the house. (coughs) Eyewitnesses claim they saw her riding her 10-speed bicycle in the direction of her home that evening, perhaps having recovered enough to make the ride. Neither she nor her bicycle was ever seen again. The only evidence found materialized several weeks later after White was reported missing, when school papers belonging to her were found strewn about a farm outside of Asotin, but there was no other trace. So then our next victim is Kristen David. And this is where you're going to start seeing a little bit of a connection. Gotcha, gotcha. So, on June 25th, 1981, 22-year-old University of Idaho senior Kristen David disappeared. Kristen called her mom Sally that day before saying she was going to ride her bike from Moscow to Lewiston the next day. She had planned to leave around 10 or 11 in the morning and be home for work. At 6 p.m. on June 26th, Kristen's work called her sister, and she, ha- she hadn't shown up. The family immediately went to the police because Kristen would never not show up to where she was supposed to be. Kristen's family... The, when they talked to the police, they said, well, because of her age, our search really isn't going to start for like 48 hours. We have to see if, you know, maybe she just took off somewhere. Maybe she's just with a guy, and they just, you know, went, which seems to be a really common thing that the police think. Um, I run off with guys all the time. Right? I can't help myself. <laughs> it's, sometimes I go, are you a Scorpio? <laughs> <laughs> but her family didn't want to wait that long, and so they started their own search. The tall, wide-open blue skies yielded no clues. Law enforcement didn't seem too worried, but Kristen's family knew better. They walked the roads Kristen could have taken on the 30-plus mile bike ride. So, she was on a bike. Jamie Christmas? It was it was a 32-mile ride. From Moscow to... To Lewiston, yeah, which was... I thought. I thought it was quite a ways away. But yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And it was something she did pretty often, apparently. So they, the family searched in ditches and empty buildings on the paths, but there was no sign of Kristen or her bike. On June 26th, farmer James Archibald was driving down U.S. Highway 95. He saw a brown van with Oregon plates parked on the side of the road. It was me. <laughs> a man got out of the van and walked to the back of the vehicle. On the ground behind the van was a woman with blonde hair. And she was also short. She was little. She was like barely five feet tall. Oh, a little person. So she was, she would have been easy to to overpower. Oh, easily. Especially um, when they're that small. You can go, hey, you want to go to the chocolate factory? And they think that they're in Oompa Loompa. <laughs> so they will jump into whatever. Right in there, yeah. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, i got to go back to work. Okay, I can sing the songs. I'm going to get orange hair. It's good times. Look out for the vermicious canids. <laughs> um, 
she had a bike with her, and the back wheel was still spinning. Archibald said it looked like the guy drove up right beside her and drove right into the side of her and pancaked her and kicked her, knocked her over there, and she just absolutely was not moving when I went by. And he said the man was smiling as he was walking to the back of the car where she was. What the fuck? This is when I, uh, you just wish that people had had cell phones, like good no cell phones shit. in 1981. In 81, all he had was a brick. The brick, yep. So, I, wait a minute. Did we even have the brick in the 81? 81? I can't remember. I thought that was like, that's later in the 90s. I'm pretty sure, like late 80s, early 90s. Like 81, it was like a big deal if you had a car phone. <laughs> yeah, remember I, remember, I remember watching older shows like Get Smart. And yes, uh, your shoe phone. Yeah, and the shoe phone. Oh, gotta have a shoe phone, man. Yes. So, Archibald went home, called the paramedics, called 911. When the paramedics arrived on the scene, there was no van, no man, no bike, and no woman. James Archibald has said he feels a large amount of guilt over not having stopped. Oh, uh, researcher says the cell phone came out in 1983. All right, okay. It became available to the public in 1983. All right. So before that, if you worked for uh, the Get Smart, the fuck he worked for, Maxwell Smart worked for, you can have a shoe phone, but the public could not have. Could not, no. Law enforcement tried to track down the van after Archibald gave a description of the man for a sketch. He was 25 to 35 years old, under six feet, and around 150 pounds. Even with the sketch and van details, the lead went nowhere. Um, on July 4th, the search for Kristen ended. A man was fishing on the Snake River when he saw a trash bag floating in the water. He fished it out and opened it. Inside was a headless human torso and a leg, both wrapped in newspaper. He, look, he looked for more bags and 75 yards downstream found another bag with other remains, uh, which Jesus was like the Christ. arms and... yeah. See, that, that tells me that the, the killer actually does want to get caught because you're putting him in a plastic bag. That's going to preserve a lot of evidence. And the newspaper that they were wrapped in was from, it was the April <laughs> local paper from oh, April. That tells me that this dude's local, man. Yeah. So three more bags were located. Each contained body parts, a dismembered head, arms, and part of a leg. All were wrapped tightly in newspaper. The bags were found in a six-mile stretch of the Snake River, half a mile west of Chief, Chief Timothy State Park. The medical examiner said that whoever had done this did it with a large amount of precision, like on a professional level. Holy shit. I like, wonder if he knew how to spatchcock a chicken. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Stuck on that between you and my fucking kids, spatchcocking. <laughs> Kristen's clothing and her bicycle have never been found. Though she was murdered in 1981, it wasn't until 1998 that investigators publicly linked David's murder to the same suspects as White's abductor. Holy shit. But White wasn't the only victim David's killer was thought to have been responsible for. Kristen David's killer. So, now we move on to Christina Nelson, Brandy Miller, and Stephen Pearsall. 21-year-old Christina Nelson and her stepsister, 18-year-old Brandy Miller, 
were both attending Lewis Clark State College. Christina had worked at the Lewiston Civic Theater and Brandy participated in many of the functions there. And on September 12th, 1982, two stepsisters, Jacqueline and Brandy, went out to the grocery store. They were just going to go to the store and, and do some laundry. And this is um, maybe eight blocks between Christina's apartment. This is in Lewiston? This is in I think Lewiston. It, I, not, I think I know exactly where they were. Because when I used to um, run Potlatch, which is yeah. in Lewiston, down to North Las Vegas, many times I bobtailed my truck. Uh, I, would, I would call it the town center, but that's using the word very loosely for yeah. Lewiston. But I remember seeing a, uh, like a kind of a storish type like it was almost like a grocery store more of a convenience store thing with a laundromat that was like right fucking right next to it yep yeah that's where they were going holy shit and i've been in that place it's crazy (laughs) it just feels really close to home (laughs) right right and i think pretty close to there's like a there's a restaurant that should have been close it was the red baron pizza parlor that doesn't that was very close to there so I've had I've had a lot of restaurant experiences there, but uh, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I'm sorry. Because uh, is, is this a long episode? I'm on page three of twelve. Oh, okay, no. So long, but not too long. Okay. I'm mostly just curious because my brain works in big circles. Um. So that's what their note said. They left a note for Christina's boyfriend. Said we're going to the grocery store. And we're going to do laundry, and then we'll be home. And they lived in Lewiston, Idaho, geographically 10 miles north of Christina White's home and about 30 miles south of Kristen David's apartment. Christina talked to her boyfriend around 8.30 p.m. and then the two headed out. It was somewhere between the apartment and the grocery store that they disappeared. No witnesses saw them at, at the, either the store or the laundromat and they never returned home. Evidence indicates they probably stopped at the Civic Theater, a place both of them hung out. The next day, Christina's boyfriend filed a missing persons report on both of them. Finally, someone who did it right away. No shit. Yeah. So so the one we did last week where it was like, well, she didn't come back. And a month later, they said, hey, we haven't seen this chick, so we might as well file a police report. Yeah. She's just going to the store to get, like, chips and something. (laughs) Some toilet paper. Yeah, some toilet paper, but she's been gone a month, and we're just assuming maybe she got lost. (laughs) Nothing suspicious there. Not at all. Do you need an antacid or anything? Nope. I'm good. I I just ate. Okay. This is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing in here is normal. I want to make sure you're okay. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's my whole thing. I just want to make sure you're all right. Thank you. Because if I make sure you're all right, maybe she behind, She who has no name won't come up behind me and stab <laughs> and me. And kill you. Yeah, she who shall not be named. Yes. <laughs> Within just a few hours of the missing person report of Christina and Brandy, another missing person report was filed, this time for 35-year-old Stephen Pearsall. He was the janitor at the Lewiston Civic Theater, as well as a frequent actor. Stephen was friends with Christina and Brandy, kind of like a big brother, and often regarded as a gentle soul. He also spent a lot of time in the theater, even when he wasn't working, because it was a place of solitude for him. Um, 
and peace for the, the former U.S. Air Force corporal. He also practiced his beloved clarinet there when he had the chance. Like Mr. Squidward from SpongeBob. Yes. I, 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 I feel him. I feel him. SpongeBob. <laughs> He's going to get a Krabby Patty. <laughs> On the 12th, Stephen had gone to a party with his girlfriend, and around midnight, she dropped him off at the theater. He was planning to practice his clarinet and do some laundry. Everybody's doing laundry that night. It's laundry day. Yeah. <laughs> she watched Stephen enter the theater. A couple that he knew, was who was really familiar with him, watched him enter the theater. And an officer who was on patrol in the area saw him go in the theater. The initial thought of law enforcement was that Stephen must have had something to do with Christina and Brandy's disappearance and had fled afterwards. They Law enforcement thoroughly searched the theater, but there was no signs of a struggle, although they did find his clarinet, Ooh. which he would never he would never leave. No, I was just thinking as a musician, I wouldn't like leave a you guitar. Yeah. That's not going to fuck. Cause clarinets are more expensive than guitars, I'm assuming, like for a really good one. Right. I can't imagine leaving one of my guitars that's, let's say, $1,000. That's yeah. one of my low-end guitars. Right. About 1000 at a place and go, eh, eh, hey, I forgot that there. Yeah. You know, what am I, what you going to do? You just kind of forget. No. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, I guard my shit. Man. Yeah. Shit. You know, instruments aren't cheap. <laughs> After detectives talked to Stephen's friends and family, the theory that he was involved didn't seem to hold up. He wasn't violent at all. He was extremely soft-hearted and couldn't hurt an animal, let alone another person. Oh, just like she who shall not be named. Yes. I'm seeing some similarities. <laughs> I think I have this case solved a little bit. Wink, wink. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus, Stephen had left his car. It was parked at his friend's house, and when they searched his apartment, police found an uncashed paycheck, and it became increasingly clear that Stephen didn't leave by choice, because why would you leave without your car, all your money? Your clarinet. Your clarinet. Yeah. Or like any his wallet was there, like he yeah, left no. everything was there. Yeah, you know what I, I tell her, especially in today's age. You know, I, I know this is back in the eighties, but yeah. in today's age, I dare anybody to walk out of your house without your without your wallet or your phone. Phone, yeah. Walk down the street, see how fucking paranoid you get. Yeah, happens to me. Yeah, if I make it down the street and I realize I'm forgetting my wallet or my phone. My ass clenches. Yeah. And I do a beeline back. back oh, yeah. fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, yeah. fuck. And I get back and I'm, I'll frantically search, search. until I find yeah. it. I almost had a heart attack this morning because my wallet wasn't where <laughs> I put it. <laughs> but today, the Civic Theater, now condemned and waiting for demolition, yielded few clues. No blood, nothing in disarray, no signs of a struggle. Pearsall has never been found, but the bodies of... Christina and Brandy were discovered on March 19, 1984, in a wooded area off of a road near Kendrick, Idaho. But I think this predates things like Luminol, doesn't it? I, I would think. I think Luminol believe is so. fairly, yeah. fairly new as far as like from the 90s on. So it's not like they could have gone and sprayed it down with Luminol. Yeah. Because it hadn't existed and go, hey, man, we got fluids. Yeah. We have some fluids, so now we, we've got a reason. T- to, to search. Right. Yeah. Exactly, you know. But and the, the other thing is, like, given the time, and even now, he's a full-grown man yep. and disappears. Yeah. Not big call for alarm. 
Right. You know? if, a, if a woman does now, that's totally different. Oh, my s- God. That's a We still live in a very sexist yes. thing, but it, it's changed. Yeah. It's changed from where, you know, where, where, I don't know, it's almost like women are valued in the cop size more than us guys are. Which I, is, it's it's true. It's which, not fine. Well, I don't yeah, think it's fine. It's fine. I just, I, I, but I, I roll with the flow. I think seriously, I, you know, if people look at me, you're a piece of shit because you're a guy. Yeah, it's fine. I don't give, I don't give two fucks. I don't give two fucks in a handbasket. Watching this whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation yeah. case, it is so not fine. No, no, no. What's going on there is fucked up. But I got a good story about that. How the cops view us guys. The second time that I got arrested and put into jail, I was uh, seeing a girl. And her and I got into an argument, mm-hmm. and she threw a lamp at me and shredded my arm. Yeah. She called the cops because I already had charges previously. And um, who were they going to believe? And they, the cop looked at me and goes, I think you did that to yourself. And at the time, I had a Harley Softail in my garage. He goes, that's your bike? I said, yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my Softail. So you're a biker? Now, guys, I know how I look. Trust me. I know how the fuck I look. I go, no, I like to ride, I, but I'm not a yeah. biker. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a musician. That's what the fuck I do. I'm a mus- musician and I drive truck. That's that's all I do. Yeah. I was the one who got the charges. Of course you were. Yeah. There wasn't shit that happened to her. Nothing. When I lived in Rockwood over, God, probably like 15 years ago now, I called the police five times for domestic violence. Only one of those times was a man going after a woman. Four times. Holy shit. It was me watching a woman beat the shit out of a man. I watched one guy's mm. girlfriend because the way they looked like you from our back door, you could see into the front of the next townhouse. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. when you open the door to those, it's immediately the stairs that go up to the second gotcha. floor. So this guy was so nice and his girlfriend was fucking crazy. Pregnant woman oh. gets like five steps down roughly a 12-step staircase and just lunged at him, just Mm -hmm. jumped and hit him, and they went out the front door that way. Jesus Christ, man. And he was really really worried that he was going to get the charges for that, especially because she was pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that the cops said why I got arrested, because I'm a big guy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't exactly fat at the time. I was in pretty good shape. You know, and uh, the the woman in question, and she actually she died from a drug overdose uh, a few years ago, which there's a story. Karma. Yeah, Karma's a bitch. Yeah. He looked at me and said, "I don't think she could have done anything to you. Look at the size of you." And she's really she was she was small and petite. Um, Which she she totally played on. Oh yeah, she was like five, 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 six. Yeah. She may weigh a buck forty ish, give or take. Small girl. Yeah. You know, then they look at me, and I, I, I know how I look. And I actually talked to the people yesterday. Some people, when I was playing with the dog yesterday at yeah. the winery. And uh, that's why I approach people with dogs cautiously. Yes. And they go, no, we didn't think out of prison. We definitely thought biker. Yeah. You definitely thought, this guy's a biker. No, I'm not a biker. I'm, I'm a business owner. That's yeah. all I am, man. <laughs> that's, that's all that. I don't. You know, uh, and then afterwards they said something that kind of touched my heart. They go, well, our dog kind of senses that you're a very kind person and we are too. I said, no, that is me. Dogs have an excellent judge of yes, character. Because I know how I look. Yeah. I look like I should have just come out of a, of Hell's Angels. Yeah. Movie, 
and I'm gonna be yeah. running guns and dope, and yeah. uh, then I'm gonna kick in someone's door to to enforce payment and break some. That is so fucking not me. No, I'm the guy who will sit there. I can play tough. Don't get me wrong. It's got me out of a lot of. She goes, really? You want some of this? Yeah. I'll kick your ass. And in the back of my head, I'm like, please don't. Please hit don't me. do that. Yeah. If, if 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 we fight, even if I win, you're gonna hit me at least once. And that shit's going to hurt. Yep. Like, not even, not for a minute, but, like, for a For, for a, a couple days, yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, you could, I could break something. Yeah. I could break something. I could, I could, I could chip a bone. Yeah. And then I'm going to be miserable for months. And then I have to explain how I got my ass kicked by a five-year-old. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do that to my, <laughs> to my fucking doctor because I, I, she's going to laugh at me. I know it. I know it. What? A five-year-old did this to you? Don't judge me, bitch. I pay you. I pay you don't you. know me. You don't know me. That was a me. That was a big five year. It was a big kid. Yeah. It was a big kid. He whooped my ass. That's all you got to know. Patch me up. Patch me up. I have insurance. You know that. Just Patch fix me up. the problem. Fix the problem. He broke two of your ribs. We're not talking about that. <laughs> fix the problem. Just and I want drugs. Lots. Yes, of them. please. And therapy and lots of therapy. Because <laughs> I'm gonna need it. Oh yes. No, that's right. I, I talk myself out of so many fights. So my size and my look helps. Yeah. I don't want to fucking fight nobody. Yeah, like no, nobody. I'm not. I'm not a violent dude. <laughs> I used to be. I don't want. I don't want to do that. Yeah, no. I will do that if I have to do that, but I don't want to do that. Right, because I, much like you, I try to take the more peaceful way yeah. out. You know, just more zen. That way, there, everybody parts. Everything's good. I can go home. I can have a drink, and yep. I can, you know, and and. If, Whoever I'm fighting with, if they want to think that I'm an asshole afterwards, that's fine. I don't, you know, because I'm gonna go home and think they're an asshole. I'm gonna be like, and I'm never gonna see you again. Yeah, so it's like, who cares? Dick. Fuck that guy. Yeah. You know, no worse for wear, man. Yeah. So that's my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> now I'm gonna get naked and be a pole dancer. We're gonna have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see that. You'll be traumatized. You'll be, Jesus Christ! It was like watching a manatee, like flopping I love around out of water. Manatees, though. <laughs> I do. (laughs) He was like a big fat manatee. He looked helpless. I wasn't even turned on. He was so sweet. He was sweet, and I felt kind of sad for him. Kind of sad, so I threw (laughs) a bucket or two of water on him. Threw some fish. Threw some fish. (laughs) Some some fish. He said, "I know her. I I know that smell. I know her." (laughs) So, (laughs) their remains were found. Um. I thought this was interesting, sort of, on the paranormal side. The kid who found the remains was out looking for cans to recycle. He was just out. Yeah. He was just out in his truck, driving around, looking for cans. Like, we talking Mexicans, Puerto Ricans? Are you a Mexican or a (laughs) Mexican? I had to. I tried not to, but I had to. So... He gets out of the car on the side of the road, looks over the guardrail, sees a couple cans, and so he climbs over to get it, and then um, says that it felt like something knocked his hat off of his head. Oh, yeah. Um, And I've I've read it before in other um, articles, but when they actually... Uh, interviewed him in Confluence, which is one of the... It was the first documentary they did about it. Um, He was saying that it wasn't windy, but his hat rolled. And it rolled in a way and in a direction that it wouldn't normally 
do that on a just on a still day. Right. And just let everybody know that we actually do believe in the paranormal. That's why we are currently yes. in production of a I'm gonna plug our other do. thing that we got going on for uh, uh for YouTube as well as a podcast called Into the Abyss, which specifically focuses on paranormal activity, yeah. haunted places, things like that. That's currently in production. So stay tuned for that shit. Where I would really love to make it to the Lewiston Theater before it's demolished. Um, we will. So when he went after his hat, by the time it stopped and he bent down to pick it up, he saw what he thought was... He saw bones. And he thought maybe is that... From farther from farther away, it looked like maybe a deer skull, but when he got right up on it, it was a human skull. God damn it! Sorry about that. That wine actually went up my nose. <laughs> Not good. Don't. Yeah. That's the wrong. We don't do that with this. <laughs> no kidding, man. Number one, it's a great <laughs> wine. Number two, it's a little, little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, that's how he found the remains of Christina and Brandy. That's jacked up, man. Yeah. And I thought, I think that it was one of them. Oh, yeah, totally. Because what are the odds that someone is going to be in that spot, you know, again, where they are? Because it was a ways down the embankment. Oh, shit. Like someone had stood at the top and rolled them down the hill. God damn. That's fucked up. So the remains were skeletal at that point with long lengths of cord found near the two women. It was assumed that they were killed and then had their bound bodies rolled down the steep embankment off of the highway. What a waste of two fucking young lives, man. Yeah. It's just, and actually, and all my jokes aside, that actually breaks my heart because, I mean, when you consider what kids can turn out to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they'd be great people. They may have been whores. But they you know? were, like, when you but hear their family talk about them, they were really good yeah, people. Yeah, they, they could have turned out to have really good lives. And, like, and Christina wanted to be a veterinarian. Like oh, they had that touches my heart. Mine, too. Uh, about, yeah. Because yeah, you and I have that same view about animals. Animals, yeah. And it's, re- I watch these things, I try to watch as many documentaries as I can on when researching these, and it's, I cry through a lot of these because you're watching people's families who they don't know where their family member is. They have absolutely no closure. And then when they find them, especially like when your daughter's found in pieces. Yeah. I can't imagine that. I can yeah. take a deep breath because I can see some stuff going on it's and I will being... tell you a story <laughs> while you're catching your yeah. breath. I've not always been the best dad on the planet, and I've always admitted that. I, I own my shit, but I remember um, I was working for a place called Kelly Fleet Services as a diesel mechanic. I worked swing shifts. So I was off at like 3, 4 in the morning, uh, graveyard shifts, because uh, I, I worked hella long hours. Mm-hmm. So one day, this was on a, uh, it was a Friday into Saturday morning. Get home Saturday morning, take my shower, and Jake, Jake and I, my son and I, we shared a bed at my stepmom's house. And because uh, Jake was like five. Yeah. So, you know, I throw my drawers on and I get into bed. Right. And I had a dream. I dreamt that him and I were at a truck stop and he went into the bathroom and a guy of Middle Eastern descent followed him in there and was trying to rape my son. Oh, my God. And I couldn't get into the door. Yeah. 
Finally, I got in there, and it was a very graphic, very gruesome dream. Yeah. I woke up so freaking pissed. Yeah. And it just that dream stuck with me for like a week later, man. Everybody's like, you know, Scotty, you okay, man? I'm a fuck you, God. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then I started telling my coworkers about this dream. Though, oh no, we totally dig. We we understand. We why understand. You're doing yeah. that, but you know, you know that was just a dream of what happened. I remember a Middle Eastern truck driver came into the shop, and they're all, "Hey, Scott, this guy here, uh, you know, go work on his truck." And I was like, "Nope, no, no. I can't do that. Go, I'll kill him. I'll kill." And they're all, for nothing Dude. that he did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my my boss actually sat me down, uh, or my co- not my boss, but my coworker Greg. He goes, "You realize that he's not." hurting your son yeah right it's okay i know i know my head knows that yeah my my head knows that but But i'm filled with this rage my heart doesn't know that oh yeah you know because my my son's 18 years old man if anybody to this day touched my son yeah that that peaceful side of me that i've worked so hard to cultivate it'd be gone and it goes out the door i'll kill someone's fucking family before i let them hurt my goddamn son and uh you know because he to to me he's still my baby he always will be He's he's taller than me and bigger than me. Yeah. He's built like a brick shit house, but he's still my boy. Yeah. That, that's my kid right there. When I, I watch these things and I'm being an empath, I'm watching the family and I'm I it feels like I'm seriously I'm feeling the same emotions that they are feeling and it's almost suffocating sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to pause it. And I'm like, um, I think I need I need a hug because I'm this is so upsetting, especially especially watching fathers, because it's really it seems harder for a man to cry and especially to cry on camera because you can tell how much they're trying to not. We did one and it was out of Idaho. Um, Was it Boise or I can't remember where it was, but. um, uh, I can't remember the episode, but um, it, there was a guy who he, he was he was convicted of a sexual assault with a child before. He abducted these two kids. Yeah, abducted, abdu- abducted these two kids, um, killed the boy, and uh, he, he gets caught. That's fine. Yeah. But I'm watching the father of these two children. Yeah. Trying to hold it together. Together. Yep. And you can just tell, man, this is just ripping this poor guy apart. I think her name was Shasta. I think his name was, I want to say Dylan. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I'd have this to look at This sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I man, just watching this poor guy trying to just hold his shit together. Yeah. You know, especially after they found his daughter and then to find out it, it, it's good and bad. Hey, here's your daughter back. But. but your son. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's dead. I'm watching these also, like the um, Cold Valley was the two-part documentary that Discovery did on this. And so it's in 2018 and still talking, you know, the, the, the parents that are still alive at this point talking about it. And Brandy's father says, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any easier to talk right. about this. It's the same every time. Yeah, you dig up those old memories, and that yeah. those those wounds don't they don't close up, man. No, they they, they stay pretty fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. They had personal items on them still, like Christina's sig- signature coat that she wore everybody everywhere, so everybody recognized it. And Brandy's jewelry, um, and those still missing 
at this point, Stephen Parasol was ruled out as a suspect. Which so the assailant had no interest in robbery or anything like this. This was just probably attack, rape, sexual, yeah. something sexual of a sexual nature. Given that it's females, and that's I imagine, yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time that a female is attacked in this that capacity, happens. Yeah, it's it's sexual in nature. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that maybe Mr. Parasol isn't part of that demographic unless he saw something. That's what I think happened. That is what would make sense. He saw something. Um, and that's the, that's the other paranormal point I have here is that Jerry, who is um, Brandy's mother, had, she's like, I don't know what you want to call it. It was a vision, whatever. But I had this seriously clear vision um i'm in the theater and i see that the suspect whoever it is she can't see who it is she doesn't know hits steven parasol like over the head with something and he goes down and then kristen or christina and brandy are both tied up and brandy's forced to watch the guy strangle to death christina her stepsister before Jeez. he goes for her. It gives me goosebumps. It's fucking horrifying, yeah. man. So we're gonna save that uh, the supernatural stuff for into the abyss because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna double dip on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm gonna kind of go into the uh, the suspect here. Throughout the years, the same suspect just keeps popping up. You see. He personally knew all of the victims in one way or another. He was the boyfriend of Christina's friend, Rose, of her mother. Oh, which is a very common thing with molesters, by the way. Yes. There's, th- th- there's an interesting dichotomy that comes with child molesters is that they will find mothers who have their victim profile, whether it's little boys, little yeah. girls, whatever it is, and they'll woo the parent. Yeah. And when they woo that parent... It opens up the way to the kid. To the kid, yeah. And normally, and it's it, it's always surprised me, but it's statistically been proven that the parent of the child doesn't know what's going on until yeah. it's too late. Too late, yep. It's, because it's it, it's a matter of grooming that child. Like, yeah. Okay, like he's my mom's boyfriend, and no, he this is this a safe good. person. Yeah, and he's really nice. Now they got that kid's confidence, and then. You know, just to throw out a scenario, the the, the special little bonding games yeah. start happening, and it becomes a little bit more risque yep. as it as it progresses. So that's that's very 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 common. Well, and and Christina had been there many times because Rose was one of her best friends, and so she's going yep. to trust this guy because he's been around a long time. Yeah. Um. And he was the one who went right down there the day that they said that she was missing and was like, I'll help you look for her. Of course he will. Yeah. If he did it, if he did it, I can see why he would do it. If he didn't, I don't want to falsely accuse him. But, you know, I'm a big fan of, like I said before, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Yeah. It's not a pigeon. So I mentioned before that there was a, it was about two blocks in between their houses. So... He also owned the house that was between their two houses, but it was vacant at the time of her disappearance. That makes it a little 
Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> this house had an unfinished basement that after the disappearance of Christina White, he decided he needed to, to finish. Including pouring a huge concrete floor where there had once been dirt. I would... Uh, hold on, I'm, I'm getting a vision. I have a vision of Mr. Parasol's body being underneath a concrete slab in an unfinished basement. But, but that was in... Finished. that. This happened before... So there's I <laughs> there's Christina with a C-H, there's Kristen, and then there's Christina with a K. Jesus fucking Christ, I'm so confused. Okay, when did Parasol die? He died in 82. Well, he went missing. Okay, is that before So Christina with a C-H, who I'm talking about right now, went missing in 79. That was after Parasol, right? That was before. It? Before So Parasol. 82 was... Gotcha, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, well, still... If he saw something. Yeah. So, and then after he finished the basement, he decided that he he was going to sell his house, this vacant house. A woman came to look at the house once it went on the market and is lucky to have made it out alive. The suspect was adamant that she come down to the basement and see all the work that he had done. And as she was in the hall on the way to the stairs that led to the basement because he just kept on like you have to come down here and see this you got to see all the work I did down down here she stopped and turned to ask him a question only to see him quickly lower his arm and hide something behind his back oh damn at first I was going to say maybe say maybe he was just proud of all the work he did but that's a bit much yeah so when she asked what it was he was like oh it's nothing of course. Nobody's going to say, oh, you caught me. You got yeah. a butcher's knife right here. But then revealed that it was some sort of like a heavy finial, something that you would see like on a bed frame or like a newel oh, post. Gotcha, gotcha. Kind of thing. Um, and at that point, he became extremely interested in just how many people knew that she was there looking oh, yeah. at the house. <laughs> and when she told him that several people knew where she, where she was, knew she was there, he suddenly wasn't interested in showing her the basement anymore. Pretty convenient. Pretty damn convenient. Yeah. Uh, I think that's walking and talking like a duck. Just saying. He also owned a, a dome house. It was like two geodesic domes oh. attached, like oh. on property. Right. We could Out cool. there. We could cool. Yeah. On a large chunk of property. And neighbors recall him digging on that property at odd hours of the night. <laughs> that's not suspicious at all. Yeah. Normal. That's normal. I go in my backyard and dig all the time. One, two o'clock. Right, in the like three thirty in the morning. You're yeah, out there not? doing that, yeah. I so wake up in the morning, and go. I'm gonna go dig for no reason. They they had called law enforcement, saying we're concerned about what this guy's out there doing. We don't know what he's up to. He also worked at the Lewiston Civic Theater, where Kristen had previously, before the job she had that she didn't make it to on the day she disappeared. She had worked there. So she he had cause to see her and probably her friend. Christina and Brandy and Stephen all knew him from the theater. I'm I'm willing to chalk a lot of shit up to coincidence, but this is a little there, bit they more. interviewed one of his friends from them from that time and the guy was like, you know, I'm fifty seven years old. I've been around this long and nobody's died around me. Like it's not, it's, it's a coincidence maybe at one, 
<laughs> one person. Right. But five people? Um, he also owned property on the Idaho-Oregon border and was a truck driver at that point. Did he wear a cowboy hat, too? I don't so, know. So we're Probably. Gonna, we're going to go with that. <laughs> Which <Yeah>. meant he <laughs> frequently drove the route that Kristen David had been riding that day between Moscow and Lewiston. He was a face that everybody recognized. Everybody in town knew who this guy was. Makes it easier, actually. Way easier for him to abduct people. Hiding in plain sight. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Who are you going to trust? Would you, if you didn't know me, would you trust me coming up to you and getting you into a van or even talking to you right off the bat? I don't trust anyone. <laughs> or would you trust me knowing me like you do now? Exactly. If I was to pull up and let's say you're at the Clackless Town Center. Yeah. And you're walking out there and I pull up in my pickup and I I'm go. I'm like, hey, Scott. Yeah. Hey, Laura, get in the truck. I'll no, give you a ride home. Yeah, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah. Well, of course you make. Yeah, that's, that's Scotty, I man. know you. Yeah. yeah. I know Scotty. Nothing bad's going to happen. That's, that's Scotty. Yeah. You know, he might get us all drunk. But <laughs> that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's kind of his. It's it's like my milieu. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's who I am. <laughs> yes. I'm fucking stocked bar and fucking alcoholism. It's great. <laughs> they also thought that um, that could have been a factor with Christina White having the heat stroke and not wanting to ride her bike home. That he was like, "Oh hey, I'll give yeah. you a ride." Playing the good Samaritan. Back to your house, yeah, and she of course was like, "Oh, I know this guy." I'm yep. not worried. So it goes that old saying, where's the best place to hide something? Right out in plain sight where everybody sees it. I thought it was also interesting when I was reading that um Brad, oh I can't remember the last name, but he's the guy who did um the Hannibal TV show. Was he did he play Hannibal? He no, he's the one who made the show. Oh. So he grew up in this area at this time. He based his Hannibal Lecter on the suspect in this case. He did a fucking good job. Now, from for movies and shit. I haven't seen it yet, so now it's on. It's on my list. (laughs) Let me let me tell you. Like I am convinced that Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah. I always have been. I've seen all the Hannibal Lecter type movies, right? From Silence of the Lambs to Red Dragon to Hannibal Rises. Yeah. Anything Anthony Hopkins is in, to me, I if I see him in any other movie, he's he's still Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. But it's Mads Mikkelsen who plays him in the show. When I was watching the show, yeah, it's a rare, rare thing that I ever, ever say this because as we talked about, like the Dark Tower, yeah, a book, a book series that you and I both enjoyed, them yes. watching the movie, going, I was disappointed. Yeah, even if they had the appropriate character to play that part, I still would have been disappointed because to yeah. me that wasn't Roland of Gilead. Right. Um, I was convinced that I was watching Hannibal Lecter. That's good. I was one hundred percent because the character himself is much like Hannibal. Hannibal's not like your crazy serial killer, like we did the Reigns brothers yeah. and things like that, where you go, "Oh no, that's a crazy motherfucker." What What is Hannibal? You have to ask yourself. He's uh, he's socially elite. Yep. He's very he's suave. Matter very fact, articulate. Yeah. Very, yeah. He's talking to uh, one of the FBI agents, you know, with, with his accent going, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, w- would you like to sous chef for me? Yeah. You know, doing, being very polite. And you see him doing intricate things when he's cooking because he loves to cook mm-hmm. and everything like that. And it's very, very smooth. 
very nice, very gentle. Yeah. And if you didn't know that motherfucker was a serial killer, like if I, if he came to one of the business meetings that I have with one of the labels that I work yeah. for, and I was talking to him, dude, I would so be at his house trying his food because I'm a foodie. Yes. He likes to cook. I love to cook. I'd be, yeah, no problem there, Hannibal. Let me come on over. You know, yeah, I'll sous chef for you. Yeah. You know, let's let, let's make some great things. I he. Right and you would have been on the menu. <laughs> I would have been eating the people that he served. Well, that, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Mm, this is good. That's freaking amazing. Yeah. What's your secret recipe? You know, it's, a, oh, it's only English spices. I'd be like, oh, okay, fuck it. I, I, I'm going to believe him. Yeah. What a great guy. That's right. Oh, that's right. We yes. just got informed that Idaho is the only state that cannibalism is not, not legal. legal. Yeah. So, boys, eat your girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so aside from these murders, he hasn't really ever been able to keep his nose clean with the hard work of Jackie Nichols. There's always more. Did he use cocaine and did he waste cocaine? Like no. Okay. I gotta give him points for that. I'm gonna give this motherfucker some points. So Jackie Nichols of the Asotan County Police has put in thousands of hours the, yeah, the cops in this, law enforcement in this, has done every possible oh. thing that they could do to tie this guy, to have enough evidence to charge him. Fair is fair. You know what? I'm going to give it up to Lewiston uh, It's PD Lewiston, Clarkston, Asotan. And Asotan County. Yeah. I'm going to give it up to you guys because you guys... And, they, and they've turned it over to the FBI, well, the FBI now. Gets, yeah, they get plenty I mean, of recognition. But that, it, it took until 2018 for the FBI to finally get You see, and I always bitch about involved. other law enforcement agencies because, you know, they sit there and most of the time, well, granted, these aren't hookers or anything like that. Yeah. That's kind of, and it, it sounds fucked up, but it, uh, prostitutes and working girls are, those are my heart people because yeah. they get so overlooked when yes. something happens to them, yep. whether they're raped or murdered or whatever. Yeah. I just, yeah, hookers are people too. We're yes. gonna get t-shirts with that shit. Yes, but um, you know, w- what I find difficult is, especially as years go by, when you have five murders, which sounds big right now, over the course of like three or four years, people go fuck it. It's it's a done deal. It's an unsolved. Yeah. But if they're still working that damn hard on it, and it's decades like later. Kudos to you guys. Like honestly, you guys are the real fucking heroes out there. You guys are in the same league that I put. Rochester PD with yes they are Rochester busts their ass too so now we have a few different law enforcement agencies that actually do their goddamn job the at this time the the Lataw County Sheriff was also super involved in this and it was his wish in his last appearances in Cold Valley and it's it was his wish that he would see justice for this before he died because he had a brain tumor and unfortunately he died not long after they filmed it so he never got to see it but it was one of those things where people would be like i would hate to be on i would hate to be the suspect in this case because he just was just the dogged determination of all of them and jackie nichols didn't become part of the Asotan County Police until 90s. Okay. And she has spent a lot of her personal time even going after this and she has when you, when if you watch the documentaries she has a bookshelf full of binders of evidence that she has 
come up with and leads that she's followed. And then she's working with a woman named Gloria Boberts, who was Christina Nelson's cousin, who they call in Lewiston the murder lady because they know that she's coming to look for more evidence. And she also has a, a wealth of binders. So the two of them are working well, to our research staff and our tech staff, can we get those names down and see if we can get make contact with these two ladies, like for real? I would, I would love oh, okay. to. Yeah, yeah let's, I'm let's on that. I, yep. Oh, I already fuck your head of me. I'm on people? that. Yeah, because I've been Jesus so Christ. into this case. You, you know when I always bitch, or not bitch, but I always say, I only hire the best people to back me. You motherfuckers prove that to me every goddamn day. Oh, like, thank for you. Real. You guys are goddamn. Fucking that far ahead of me, Jesus Christ! I, I have no idea. I want to talk to them really badly. So we can tell. Let's make yeah. that happen. Even if we got, well, we're, we're going to go down there anyway. But yes. There's so many, so many there's, there's yeah. <laughs> that we need to go to. So. There's so much, there's so much to this. Yeah. So well, after the studio launch, we're going to have a little bit more time. That's the main yes. thing. It's not even the money; it's the time. Well, I mean, there's with this. They have, between the two of them, they've uncovered several other incidences that oh, yeah. involve this suspect as far back as 1963. Well, it's really peculiar with a lot of serial killers. I would probably go at least three quarters or better to where they'll find, let's say, five five victims. Yeah. Right? And then as they're digging more and more, they're thinking it's five victims. No, it's six. It's eight. It's ten. It's fifteen. It's yeah. twenty. And what they find, what they find, is just skimming the surface yes. of a lot of serial killers. They have a, a retired FBI agent comes to work with Jackie Nichols on this, and he was like, you know, you have to go back all the way to their childhood. You have to go to to every place they've ever lived to anywhere where they might have worked. Any of that, because you yeah, there you will be your suspect. there will be victims everywhere. Yeah, no, and one thing that I've learned, especially doing this podcast here, when when I was even researching, um, you know, before you guys came on, is that you can know your suspect in current time, right? But to know your suspect and kind of figure out what's going to happen, yeah, you got to know them from the time that they were born, yeah, like their backstory. What kind of parents they had. Right. What friends did they have? Were they bullied in school? Did they wet the bed? Exactly. Um, Were they humiliated? Did they have braces and glasses and people make fun of them? Yeah. Could they ride a bike? Were they good at swimming? Were they great at sports? Was their dad an alcoholic? Was their mom kind of maybe a little bit of Looney Tunes going on? Yeah. You have to know that stuff. Yes. To really. really... Not just know, but understand. And that's what I'm always after is really understanding. Yep. The people that we present, I want to know them. If I can find out how many times they take a piss a day, right? I, honest to God, want every to know. possible thing, yeah. anything, everything. How many times they shave? Yeah, in a week, because it all plays in to a psychopathy of that killer. Yeah, because while serial killers are serial killers are serial killers by definition, every serial killer, while they share commonality has a different tale to tell. Yes. Everybody, you know, yeah. Everybody has their, some they, them, everybody has their, some they all have their own story. Some of them come from abusive families. Yeah. You know, like, dad beat the shit out of Bill every day and mom was a drunk. Yeah. Um, and then others go, 
We don't know what happened, man. Like Bill's we mom and dad were great. were stable people who cared yeah. about him, and yeah, he was a straight A student. He was really yep. always nice. He was polite. He wasn't shy by any means. Right. He was outgoing. He was popular. So he, he was yeah. popular, and nothing that fits any other serial killer. And then you find out he's killed twenty motherfucking people. Yep. And you go, what the fuck happened? Yeah. So we're gonna go back to. Thursday, August 1st, 1963, around 2.10 p.m., eight-year-old Diane Taylor was seen walking down an alley behind the Austin YMCA located at 501 North Central Avenue in Chicago. She attended the day camp at the YMCA there. Uh, Diane had asked a counselor at the YMCA to help her unwrap a lollipop, and a friend stated that then Diane left walking down the alley behind the YMCA around 2 p.m. Diane's mother, Rita, returned home from work around 6.30 p.m., and Diane had not returned home. Rita reported Diane missing to the Chicago PD at approximately 9.30 p.m. on August 1st. On Saturday, August 3rd, Diane's body was found around 9.30 a.m., behind 1055 North Lockwood, um, which is very close, where sort of where she would have been walking. And she had been stabbed, slashed, a stab to her heart being the cause of death. She'd been assaulted. Her navy blue shorts, white socks, white tennis shoes, blue framed glasses, three keys, and her blue billfold with her YMCA ID and two rings were all missing. So they basically, they found her naked. God damn. Law enforcement believed that Diane was murdered elsewhere and her body dumped in the alley. Her autopsy findings lead law enforcement to believe that she had been murdered approximately 36 hours prior to her body being found. That Saturday, a report of a teenager, possibly 18 to 19 years old, driving a 1949 two-door black Ford with damage to the left front fender above the tire had been seen coming out of the Lockwood Alley at approximately 6.45 a.m. And another report, uh, there's another report of hearing a car stop and a car door slam between 6.30 and 6.45 a.m. 50 Chicago police officers were assigned to door-to-door canvas of the Austin area of Chicago looking for information or witnesses. In September, law enforcement also interviewed 750 male students attending Austin High School. The suspect lived in the Austin area of Chicago and went to Austin High School. Walks like a duck. And was... Diane Taylor's YMCA youth camp counselor. Like I said, if it walks like a duck, I I believe in coincidence. Coincidence does happen, but this is a bit more. Mm -hmm. This is pretty fucking spot on. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Like, yeah. You can kind of go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can always look and go, okay, well, he worked at the theater and all these people visited the theater. That's the commonality. Okay, that's fine. Okay, wait a minute. He was the boyfriend of one of the suspect's friends. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you know, it's a small town. That yeah. That happens. But when we're talking like the same fucking thing happened. Yeah. Based on somebody that he knew from a work environment. 
It was dispatched in about the same way, died the same way. Yes. Which we can assume sexual assault with the girls. Yep. That's pretty fucking specific. I hear that duck quacking. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a fucking duck. Yeah. So, next. Oh, God. There's so much more. June 5th, 1972, Antoinette Anaimo, who was 17, was walking with her boyfriend and another couple around 9.30 p.m. down the Santa Cruz boardwalk along the beach. Like Santa Cruz, California? Yeah, by the boardwalk. She and her boyfriend apparently had had a fight, and she decided to walk back on her own, and she was never seen alive again. At 3 a.m. on June 6th, her naked body washed up on the shore with only a gold watch and a necklace, which was sort of how they could identify her. Two days later... This dude here was like a counselor for her or worked at at a Wendy's or something. Yeah, so... Two days after that, her body was at the Willow Glen Mortuary in San Jose. She was the only body there at the time. Her death was ruled as a suicide by police because she had mentioned suicide before. And then around 12.30 a.m., our suspect was discovered by the daughter of the mortuary owner attempting to break in through a window on the bottom floor where Antoinette's body was laid out. That's a pretty loud quack. I'm just saying that that yeah. is not just quacking. It's quacking. Her father called the police and the suspect was arrested for attempted burglary. He was found with a large knife and a big flashlight. And his excuse was... The, and the camera, that's right. The <laughs> Jesus camera. Jesus Christ, man. Um... His excuse was that he wanted to see his girlfriend one last time, even though that was not Not his girlfriend. His girlfriend. What the fuck? So he walked away with a misdemeanor for that. Okay, that duck's not just quacking. That's a whole family of ducks. And I ain't blind, so I'm pretty sure that's a whole fucking, uh, that's a flock of duck. Yeah. And that's flocked up. Yeah, (laughs) it's really flocked up. Flocking believable. No, not yet, no. Hold your horses um, there. Hold your horses. She's a getting to her. Uh, on February 14th, sorry, that's where my mind goes in February. On February 24th of 1983, Daryl Lynn Johnson left for school from her Idaho home but never made it. Three days later, her body was found by a couple of fishermen in a creek that leads to the Snake River. This creek also happens to be located on the land that is owned by our suspect. Of course. Police commented on her eerie resemblance to Christina White, who was the first one who disappeared. And I, looking at pictures, it's insane how much they look alike. They match. That's, that's his victim profile yeah. right there. Um, Parasol is just a fucking accidental. Yep, he was just there. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He was never charged, never, never brought in on this. The suspect had a cabin on this property in the middle of nowhere, large chunk of property that he installed a huge chain link fence around this cabin. 
<laughs> even though it was miles from another person. You have to keep your people in when you abduct them. Yeah. If the, he did it. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking, yeah. Let's just say, hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, neighbors had called the police a few times because they thought that it that 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 he had put that huge fence up and that he himself were just really weird and they didn't yeah. trust him. And when police checked out the cabin, they discovered a trap door in the floor that led to um, an underground tunnel off of the property. Do you remember that? Yeah. That would have made it very easy to smuggle a body in or out within anyone without anyone knowing. Also, to dismember a body because it was like a hunting cabin. It was just small. Dude, that's just like the dude that we did up in Alaska who used to fly people into his cabin and oh take God. them and hunt them. Yeah. Uh, um, God damn it. I just shared it on Facebook, too, because we, we posted it to the Facebook page for Brutal Nation. Oh, I can see his face, but yeah. I can't say his name. His yeah. Ba- God damn it. it he, his, his moniker was the Butcher Baker because he was a baker, and he would hunt women at his cabin. Yeah. So, yeah. Fuck, I can't remember what his name is now. God damn it. So then in 1987, the subject, the suspect, was working, acting, and playing music still at, at the Lewiston Civic Theater. He had been seeing a woman he met there who was a seamstress at the theater and a hospice nurse. Her name was Claudette Volvia. <laughs> Damn, that's a pretty exotic name, but right. it makes her sound mean as shit. <laughs> My or like cheese, somehow. Like Velveeta. Nope. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I can smell her from here. Yeah. <laughs> Taste the rainbow, I guess, right? <laughs> Is that mac and cheese between your legs? Oh, it didn't. Okay, liquid gold. Do you remember those <laughs> oh commercials? My God. She's got the liquid gold yes. between her legs, man. Right? You might want to get some antibiotics for it. Yeah. She might have a problem. That's an infection. Yeah. yeah that's an infection, buddy. Um, Run fast. <laughs> other... Others who were members of the the theater family because they were a really close knit group said at first that Claudette did not at all like the subject, but over time he'd sort of worn her down, and then after two years was in a relationship with her. At this point, which I'll. T- talk more about um the subject was married so he was having an affair with claudette and coincidentally the subject here happened to be the one to find claudette after she had supposedly committed suicide by od everybody thought that was really yeah suspicious that he would have been the one to find her. I said, yeah, it just seems like women don't last that long around this guy. No one thought that she was someone who would commit suicide because she was really happy in her life. Everything was going really well. Except that, you know, that's not... You can't always pick a winner. (laughs) So... When when everything was happening uh, with the disappearance of Christina Nelson, Brandy Miller, and Stephen Pearsall, he was brought in for questioning because he said that he was there that night at the theater. 
That's just arrogance. That's what that is. Like, for so, real. What an arrogant fucking piece of shit. He told law enforcement fucking amen. that he was there that night to do work on the rigging in the theater because he did, aside from acting and playing music and all that, he also did repairs. I think he did repairs, but I think he's a lying motherfucker. Yeah. This is this is him going, hey, I'm giving you all the evidence you need to arrest me, but just enough to where it's all circumstantial. Yeah. And you'll never get me. What a fucking, yeah. hypothetically speaking, if he did it. <laughs> yeah. So he he claims that he fell from the loft, the lighting area, that he had fallen through the floor up there above the stage. So you know that's... Oh. Okay. A good, I'm what, like 30, there. 40 feet? Because prior to the pandemic, you guys know what my, my company did. We, yeah. we did stage builds. Yeah. I will fucking tell you, if you're falling 40 feet from those rafters, yeah. that's why all my guys had to tie off. Like, you have to right. wear a full safety harness. harness. And that. That's OSHA regulation yeah. for my insurance. But if you fall... You're going to seriously injure yourself. You're not walking away from that. I don't care. It might work for Schwarzenegger in the movies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. let me uh, give you guys a little tippy-poo. If you fall from that, even with your rigging on, even when you're tied off, you're still going to get hurt. You're still going to get a lot of damage because with rigging alone, you're only going to fall. I think it's like, I think the lines are out 10 feet or something. But like it's still going to yank you at it's, the end. It's still high impact. Yeah. Man. You take that, you're falling on a hard fucking floor provided that you go through it and you don't hit one of the beams that support on the, the way floor. down mm-hmm. you hit the beam that's even worse but you go completely through it you have to calculate inertia yeah so and you're hitting that you're not walking away, away. to the times gravity yeah you know and i can I, I, i'm gonna tell this guy who may have hypothetically yeah done it you're a lying motherfucker. Yeah. You didn't fall through jack fucking shit, because guess what, there, asshole? You wouldn't walk away from it. I fucking guarantee you I paid enough goddamn workers' comp claims. I yeah, know. You're right? not going to walk away from that. So, Straight fucking up. What a lying piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, it, 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 hypothetically, if he did this, by the way, just hypothetically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he says that he fell through, and that then he... Got up. No. No, you didn't. Yeah. Got up. No. As people who have spent a lot of time, (laughs) all of us, in the theater. Right. Exactly. Because I'm a performer and, you know, like doing construction. Yes, that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This asshole's not walking away from that shit. I would be willing to wager 10 years of my wages on that. Ten fucking years in a heartbeat. That's why I was like, there's there's no way. No, he's so, not, you're not walking away from that shit. He gets up and he walks down to the green room because he had what he called a medium case of the shakes. Bull shit. Yeah. Sorry, asshole, that boat don't float. He also claims that he never saw anyone else at the theater that night. How could you miss someone... So hold on. You're going to miss two girls there, plus the dude playing his fucking clarinet. And where the green room was. <laughs> after you fell. After course. you fell. Um, where he was supposedly s- sleeping, laying down, says he fell asleep. <laughs> the door that Stephen Parasol would have come through was the side door that would have gone right into that room. So he would have opened the door. 
turned on the lights. That's also where the laundry was. Right. So he slept through someone coming in, turning on the lights, putting in a load of laundry, and then going to practice their clarinet. At very bare minimum, let's say hypothetically that he did get up and walk. At bare minimum, you're going to have a concussion. That's what I thought. You're not going to, if you fall asleep, guess what? You're You're not waking up. Yeah. (laughs) So this guy's story doesn't fly. No. That that doesn't hold water one fucking bit. So he's at this point, because he said he was there, he's brought in for questioning. Makes sense, yeah. And this is right after it happened in, in 82. Police say that he was very nervous. He wouldn't make eye contact, wasn't really answering questions directly. And when they asked him to take a polygraph test, his words were tempting, but no. Oh, exactly. He's baiting him. He's like, yeah. it's tempting, but no, I'm not yeah. going to let you have it that easy. After the initial interview, the suspect retained a lawyer and refused to speak to the police any further. And said then that he wished that he had never said that he was there. Well, that part I, I agree with I, him doing. Yes. Because but I, I tell everybody, it, it doesn't matter if you're guilty or if you're innocent. If you get detained by the cops, say two things, jack and shit. Yeah. You get an attorney. Yep. Because uh, so many people will sit there and go, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to clear this up with the cops. No, you're not, asshole. You're going to do 25 to life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said <laughs> exactly. that. Yeah. So... When they find the remains of Christina and Brandy, they bring him back in for questioning. Um, At which point he said, I guess I'm in a heap of trouble. (laughs) And after all that, there was still not enough evidence to charge him. He's not dumb. I'm going to give him that. He's not. He's not dumb. Very smart. He's playing a fucking game. And that was the point here if where... If you hypothetically uh, did it, by the uh, way, I want to yeah. put that in there. Don't sue me. If you hypothetically did it, you could be innocent. You could be innocent. Um, yeah. Hypothetically, yeah. if he did it, he's playing a game. So this was the point where I said, I, I feel the need to say that all of the law enforcement involved in this case has been nothing but stellar. Um, it was Lewiston, Asotin, Lataw, Clarkston, Idaho, Nez Perce, Lewis, Clearwater, and Garfield counties were all involved in this. There's a lot of people going on about a this. Lot. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome that they're giving that so much attention. And then the FBI. Um, and I watched yesterday um, on Facebook because there is a page that is run by Gloria Boberts oh, called the Lewis and Clark Serial Killer. And there was a briefing with with the FBI saying, yes, you know, like we have taken things in. We have like the newspaper that was falling apart that hadn't, because when they had all, when they got all of that, there was no, they couldn't test for DNA. Right, right, right. So taking all of that in and now they're going to test it. So, um, if they, if they're starting to test it, maybe, just maybe, I don't care how old this assailant yeah not saying it's this guy of course but he would be 75 73 today ish that's how old the suspect should be if they were around that time because we're not pointing fingers yeah um i don't care how old the suspect is i think that it deserves a death penalty 
Oh, You've done sure. it across several for states. Sure. You know, going to see my fucking girlfriend for the last time, you lying fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Um, disgusting. Yeah, we're dealing with an extremely efficient and crafty killer here. This is actually one of the smart ones. Yeah. I, it's real. I'm conflicted. Because half of me is disgusted by this guy. Because you know me with children. Yeah. I bet you about kicking kids. You know, saying I want to kick kids all the goddamn time. But at the end of the day, you don't abuse kids, man. Right. You don't fucking molest them. You don't murder them. Things like that. So that disgusts me. But on the other flip side, I'm sitting there going, "Damn, dude, you're good." Fucking, you're. You started playing a game of tactics. Yeah. And with the cops, and you're winning. Giving them just enough information. They know it's you. They know it's you or suspect it's you without a doubt. Yes. But there's not quite enough. Yep. You're giving them just enough to where they know who did it, but not enough to nail you. Yeah. That's... I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give this one some thought because I'm, I'm really, really fucking... Like, you see conflicted. why I've been like so... Oh yeah. Involved in this for almost a month. Holy now. shit. I've like I can't stop thinking about it. Um Yeah, I'm sure you noticed I haven't said his name at all in this. He who shall not be named. That is because in the related articles and documentaries, Confluence, Cold Valley, and he was also the the Lewiston Civic Theater murders was featured on Another show on uh, Discovery called Dark Minds, where they actually, they consult a serial killer to sort of get their perspective on it. Right, right. He was not allowed to be named. Technically, police are not able to release the name of a suspect to the public until they have been officially charged with a crime. Correct. However, (laughs) that is not true for the media. That is true. Um... I and thousands of others don't believe that this man should be able to continue his anonymity. True, and hopefully he hasn't changed his name, so I think you're going to give us his name. The name of the suspect in question is Lance Jeffrey Voss, who occasionally will drop the Lance and just go by Jeffrey Voss, but he's he's always been known as Lance Voss. I'm going to call you out right now, Lance. Yep. I, honest to God, think that you did it. That's my personal opinion. If you want to sue anybody, come after me, buddy. I've got a few resources, so you can come after me. That's A-OK. Yeah. I'm going to... I believe in calling people out on their bullshit, just like I expect everybody to call me out on my bullshit. Lance, boss, I think you're the dude. I think so. There's just too much... I'm willing to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt. I think that this guy here is the dude you're looking for. But I'm like I said before there, buddy... I'm a little bit impressed. You're playing a you're playing a deadly game, game, but you're playing it good. Yeah, you're playing it good. Yeah, and I am I am hoping hoping that the FBI wins. Oh, me too. You don't you don't have my support on playing your game, buddy. You can't I'm, get away with this forever. Oh, exactly. I'm hoping they get him before he dies. Yeah. You know, or you know, if I was back home in Georgia. Yes. Maybe he would come visit. <laughs> yes. Um, no. You told me where he is, so, so go for it. In 1999, he moved to Matthews, North Carolina, which is just outside of Charlotte, mm-hmm. which is where he has been ever since. 
and law enforcement knows exactly where he is. And what what I really want them to do is um, there have been missing persons cases, missing girls there. Of course, there has. And that they you haven't think this tied. Stop? No, they but they haven't tied that t- to everything else that he's done. There's a little um, thing, and I want to put this out here just just to say there's a thing called Southern Justice. Yep. And uh, I just want to put that in people's craw a little bit. Just put that in your craw. Just uh, have you tumble that over. Just that was my thought. Like, if everybody in town knows it's you. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. How are you still out there? I. Exactly. So I, I put up on here when you, when everybody, if they read this on Medium, I've got a timeline of his. Oh, sweet. Life. Um, with, where there's a few other things that he was not ever picked up for. But he was in the area at the time. He was married. Um, He married his first wife in August of 1973 in Santa Clara. And when he... Year and day I was born. Year and month. Yeah. He divorces his first wife in March. And then at that point he gets a real estate license in California. He also, for a while, was a used car salesman. Oh, I love that. Only driven by a little old lady for past yeah. years. Just up the store, one mile to the store and back every day. So when he got that real estate license is when he bought his property where that cabin is. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. So 1975, he gets married again. <laughs> and then at that point is when he moved to that 18 acres that he had purchased. Um, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> He worked at the Circle K. <laughs> oh, that is His awesome. wife was a manager at the Circle K. 1976, his biological daughter is born. Can you imagine having this be your father? But then, I mean, that goes back to me talking again about compartmentalization. Right. Well, even Arthur Shawcross, now, for those of you that don't know, he killed two uh, young children when he was in Watertown, uh, New York, and then he moved over to Rochester, and he... Um, this is where I actually earned a lot of respect for, uh, give, give a lot of respect to Rochester PD. He started killing prostitutes and one homeless lady, and they were on it. They were, like, you know, going to solve it. But he found out while he was in prison that he had a daughter. Oh. And he communed with his daughter. Him and his daughter got along great. His daughter loves him. She knows what he did. You kind of have to divorce that. from. It's like thinking about right. a kid who's done things. Like, like, if your kid did that, it's like... I. Would always love my child. I don't love what they did. Well, I, it depends on what the kid did. Like, yeah. We, okay, so I got another story. We'll leave this this case on a on a funny note. So Jake was like three weeks old, give or take. I had to go back to work. All I had to do was change his diaper, and his mom was going to take over. And I pulled the diaper off, but you know nobody gives dads fucking instructions. And that cold air hit his dick, and he, I hear this water. <laughs> yes. I'm like, Where's that coming from? It's on me. Yep. He peed on me. Yep. So I had to clean my everything up, that to take me. a shower, change my clothes, <laughs> yes. and I vowed to him to this day, one of these days, you're going to be sleeping. And I'm going to get you. I'm going to pee on you. Yes. I'm going to pee on you. Because fair is fair, fucker. <gasps> and I'm patient. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to waterboard him with my penis. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, the last thing I'll say is, 
Um, he is 75 now. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe, even though he's 75, that he has stopped what he's doing because now he's he's, he's got the, oh, I'm just an old man thing yeah. going on. He utilizes all the tools that are available to yes. him. So I, I admire that while I'm at the same time fucking disgusted. Yeah. But I admire anybody who can play the game right. Like um, like Patrick Kearney, for example. Right. Um, and like I said, I know him on a, on, on a personal level. Yes. We correspond. Um, he wouldn't have been caught if he wouldn't have killed the last victim in his apartment. Um, he got sloppy. Yeah. His name was... Ah, fuck. Brian... I want, I want to say Brian May, but that's not right. That's the guitar player for Queen. Um, it was something May, and I can't... Yeah. Uh, LeMay. Something LeMay. Maybe it was Brian LeMay or something like that. But um, he killed... Uh, this LeMay kid in his but LeMay had told his neighbors like that the, the, he lived next door mm-hmm. um, yeah I'm going to go over to this guy Patrick's house and visit with him and his boyfriend which I can't remember what his boyfriend yeah. was and that's when they said hey we got we to gotta find this guy but had it not been for that one there where he got sloppy you know because LeMay just got too cocky yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Curry played it good he played a good game. They yeah. would have never. And if you look at pictures of him, he's one of those guys you would go, no, there's, there's, there's no, no way. way. Yeah. There's no. If you look at pictures of, like, fucking uh, William Bonin, you go, that's a serial yeah. killer. You look at pictures of Kearney, you're like, there's no fucking way this guy. Yeah. This guy, this guy right here? No. There's no way. I, I highly recommend these uh, watching confluence and cold valley these are going to really good documentaries on this um and check out the facebook page the lewis clark serial killer facebook page for ongoing information about this and the fbi is urging anyone even if you called and or you know you gave a tip to police previously please call and give it again anything you might know um you can it's all anonymous. You can go to tips.fbi.gov or call 1-800-CALL-FBI to give tips. And um, I just really would like to, to bring some kind of justice to these victims and closure to the family that's left. Sometimes the best tips, boys and girls, especially if you're living in North Carolina, um, around the Matthews area, or even, what is it, Charlotte, right? Who's yeah, it's just of outside of Charlotte. Um Look at your surrounding neighborhood and ask yourself what's going on. And if it, like I said before, and I've said it like 30 times in this episode alone, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Yeah. It ain't a goddamn pigeon. Yeah. If it sounds familiar to you, maybe chances you want to call are. those numbers. Yeah, chances are you might be on to some. You might want to make a few phone calls. Even if you don't think it's that big of a deal. Even if you hate the kids next door and you're thinking, oh, I want this <laughs> asshole to get. Because honestly, and I've said this, I hate the kids that live next door to me. Yeah. I fucking hate those little loudmouth little fuckers. Yeah. However, I really, as much as I bitch about them, I don't want nothing bad to happen to them as far as getting abducted, raped, murdered. That's fucked up. So just You just want them to move the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm looking for a new house. Yes. You know, outside of I need a place that's way bigger because my, it's not my guitars. It's my fucking Pez. <laughs> my Pez collection's getting out of goddamn hand. Yes. I need to buy a house just for my Pez. It's not out of hand. It's just outgrown its space. <laughs> that's only a fraction. That's a not. I know. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> 
my plan is to have a display case in the new recording studio. In the, the one's going to be my house, my, yeah. my, my work zone. Right. And have my Pez there and then my, my custom guitars as well. That would be really that's, neat. That's my goal. I look forward to seeing this. That's, that's my church. Right. I go and music is, that's my God. That's my church right oh, there. Oh, yes. You know, because I, yes. not toot my own horn, but I'm a little bit good at what I do. It is one <laughs> of my, I think music should be listed um, as a love language. It, it is because it definitely is for me. Right, right. It is. It is an act of service. That so is correct. I, I don't know if I told the story at the last show when when John took over sound and everything like that. But how somebody please stop the rain was written, which I call my my panty dropper song because every girl I've ever played that for, it's like the big. There's no way a song's gonna make me drop my panties, and I do that when they're. Here you go. They're moist. Here, here you go. So. My second ex-wife was, uh, at the time, the, the love of my life. I was fucking madly in love with Amanda. And when I caught her cheating on me, it fucking destroyed me. Yeah. So I'm at her house. This is before I sold it in Tualatin. And I remember the rain was just pouring down on my back deck. And I mean, it's coming down in fucking sheets, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it, and I go, if a heart could physically cry, and it had tear ducts and can cry, that is what, what it would, it would look, look like. like. Yes. So I went into my studio. I just I just grabbed one of my acoustics. Didn't turn on any recording gear at the time because mm-hmm. this is four score and a million years ago, where yeah. the biggest you know hard drive you could have was like two gigabytes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I had to run like I don't know like fucking seven towers. Yeah. Just to have enough room, you know. Right. This predates MP3s, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I took out some some lined paper and and, uh, and and wrote the score to it, and that's how I wrote. Somebody please stop the rain. Because that's my form, that's my love language. Yeah. That's how I express myself. That's how I express my thoughts, my feelings, and, and all that stuff. It's in, I mean, we have music playing almost all the time. I, I sing all the time. I love singing. My mother was a singer. My, both of my parents played musical instruments. Oh, sweet. And it's just definitely, it's been a love of mine for a long time, too. And I don't, I always say that it's the whole, like, would you rather be deaf or blind? I would rather be blind because oh, totally. if I could never hear music again, it would, I, I don't know that my life would be worth living. It would be horrible. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you can feel the the beat and stuff like that, like, but it's not the same. And then that right. makes singing nearly impossible when you can't right, hear right. yourself. Unless you lose your hearing at a young age like me because I hear, I hear differently. Yes. Very, very differently. My brain actually translates the vibrations yeah. into sounds, into actual sounds that my brain hears. So I can, I can tell you if it's like a C sharp, a C flat, mm-hmm. A minor, regular A, you know, not unleaded A or anything like that, just a regular one. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. So my brain developed a little, little different, but I'm a different kind of a guy. But yeah, man, mu- music is the only medium that can literally control every aspect of your feeling because you can listen to a song and you go god damn it i'm pissed yes, yeah let's yes. fucking tear some shit up or you can listen to the other ones going jesus fucking christ man i'm gonna go drink and contemplate my life because fuck right that's some sad shit and then there's other ones like fuck yeah let's party let's have a good fucking time there's music for every mood oh, every shit, mood yeah. Love music. All right, you ready to wrap this one up, yeah. sweetheart? So we can get to tomorrow's. <laughs> yes. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Check out our Patreon page. Help a brother out. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just put in at Brutal Nation. We should pop right up, get the full story without any of my bullshit attached to it. 
You don't have to hear me getting on my fucking soapbox going, brothers and sisters, my testicles itch. Let me tell you why. No, nothing like that. It's just, it's amazing. And never smell your fingers after you scratch your testicles on a sweaty day. Um, that's disgusting. I, will, oh, I can only imagine pig. that. He's a pig. Jesus. <laughs> what a disgusting fucker. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we will see you guys mañana. Bye-bye.